Time now for the quote of the week. I think the polarization, the politicization of COVID started literally, I think it was within days of the announcement in March 2020 of the lockdown. Then you got this stream of press conferences that I think increasingly resembled campaign stops. And it was under political pressure, and we, we watched health officers remain silent in the face of things like Black Lives Matter protests that completely ignored social distancing and mask mandates. I think it's because it was politically expedient. They remained silent as politicians actually called elections, ignoring rising case counts of COVID. I mean, vaccine mandates, which originally and forcefully were rejected by the government until polls showed that they could be used for political advantage. I mean, there's many more examples. But let me get to my quote of the week by someone who government actually called upon during the pandemic. Dr. Amish Adalja is a senior scholar at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. He's an epidemiologist and a virologist. Well, this week he was on Bloomberg and he was asked about the damage to the healthcare industry, but more healthcare security going forward, given that the question of when and where to wear masks have become more political than it was sort of a tool of science as they were originally intended to be. His answer in quotes, that's the story of the whole pandemic. Everything we've talked about from antiviral to monoclonal antibodies to masks have all been viewed through the lens of whatever tribe that someone belongs to. And we're increasingly tribalist in everything we do. And that's where masks have become. Instead of being viewed as a tool that people can use to decrease their transmission and spread, and it does make a big difference, but if the population doesn't trust health authorities and thinks that politics are all infused in it, they're not going to listen every time you need to make a recommendation that people do certain proactive actions for COVID or the next pandemic when it occurs. And I think that's the long tail of this pandemic, that we've created this breach between public health professionals, infectious disease doctors, and the general public, that they'll never trust us again. And it's going to take a long time. He was then asked, but how do we get that trust back? In quotes, I think we have to be transparent about where the mistakes of the public health communication happened, how politics got infused during the successive administrations through this response, and people have got to go back to their primary care doctors and think about why they trust them. Well, I can tell you one of the main differences between the response to the pandemic and how we interact with our primary care doctors is that the government, aided by the media, decided no questions of the narrative were allowed, period. That's not how you build trust. I can't even imagine someone going into their primary care doctor and getting recommended for some treatment or not and not having a few questions about it. But that's the attitude that was taken. No questions allowed. I'll give you an example. March 20th, Dr. Teresa Tom stated, uh, 2020, I should have said that in quotes, there's no need to use a mask for well people. Well, two months later, she declared a non-medical mask can reduce the chance of your respiratory droplets coming into contact with others and landing on surfaces, as is what's become a, a really was a regular feature of the pandemic. Boy, with Aunt, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he owned up to what's called a noble lie and that the no mask statements were actually made just to make sure that the uh, public didn't buy up the available supply. Well, that doesn't build trust. A final word to Dr. Aldalja in quotes. The politics has got so infused into public health now that it becomes people thinking this is what this political party, like this is what a liberal thinks, or this is what a conservative thinks. In the U.S., this is what a Democrat or a Republican's position, and not the fact that there is a reality-based position on those issues, end of quote. Time now for this week's Goofy. I'm going to start today with a quote by Alexander Stahl. 
He's chairman, chief investment officer of Bergraben Holdings AG. Sums up the current energy crisis pretty darn well, which, by the way, has Morgan Stanley predicting $130 oil in the third quarter. In quotes, EU energy policy was man-made and deliberate, not a historical accident. It was a result of years of complacency, ignorance, arrogance, or vested interest in corruption. Nothing has changed. Politicians must be held accountable. Well, man-made and deliberate, yes. Stanford economist Hanno Lutzing gives us a prime example with the refusal of Germany to reverse its decision to shut down its remaining three nuclear plants. He states, Germany saying it can't reverse shutdown of nuclear power plants because of a complex regulatory process is like an airline captain refusing to make an emergency landing at an airport because of nighttime noise regulations. But just as important, I have very little faith that any accountability is about to happen. I mean, there's no way the green energy contingent, whether it's in politics, academia, or the media, is going to admit that the higher natural gas prices as a result of the determination to limit fossil fuel production is a direct cause of the massive hikes in fertilizer prices and the resulting food shortages, which have many analysts worried about starvation in some emerging markets. Which brings me to the Goofy Award, which goes to U.S. climate czar, former Senator John Kerry, who said this week that the world's reliance on the fossil fuels should be limited potentially to a decade. Though natural gas burns cleaner than coal when used to generate electricity, it should not be part of a long-term climate strategy without emissions control technology. You know, I never know, though, if politicians like Mr. Kerry either don't know or understand, or maybe they think the rest of us don't know. Although when it comes to the failure to make the connection between natural gas and fertilizer, I suspect it's the former. But how about this? that he says, we're going to limit the use of fossil fuels to 10 years. I mean, does he not understand that every major forecast calls for fossil fuels to still make up the majority, maybe 60 to 85% of the world's energy mix by 2050? Don't they understand that the necessary minerals and raw resources to transition to renewable energy and EVs are not available? As the CEO of a the electric truck maker Rivian stated this week, when you're talking about manufacturing batteries, 90 to 95% of the supply chain doesn't exist. I mean, I could go on, but the goofy goes to the former Senator, current climate czar and others in the climate crowd for showing that they've have no sign that they've learned anything from the current energy crisis. That's resulted in huge spike, uh, spikes in prices and blackouts for months. This is well before the Ukraine invasion. And you know what? By failing to learn anything, to acknowledge some of those lessons, guarantees that we've got many more problems to come. Keep in mind, by the way, that we've got the webinar here with Tyler Bullhorn starting in 15 minutes here on Saturday. So, again, sign into that. Just go to mikesmoneytalks.ca. And I was thinking again this week that one of the reasons to continue to go to Money Talks tweets or Michael Campbell's Money Talks on Facebook is that so many of these stories aren't followed. You don't hear about them. So many facts, so many different opinions. You just simply don't hear about them. And there was such a long list. Uh, maybe that quote by Rivian uh, is, is a great example. Their CEO saying 90 to 95% of the supply chain for batteries doesn't even exist right now. Well, I would think that's kind of important to understand. I mean, there's so many other things, as I say, when I go throughout the course of the week, I see so many things that should be informing our 
discussions about these major public policies. They just aren't there. So again, that's my sell point for go on to Money Talks tweets, Michael Campbell's Facebook, or go to mikesmoneytalks.ca. That's Michael Campbell's Money Talks Facebook, by the way. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific weekend. Thanks for listening.